this way in which she she assigned and organized responsibilities, I think, you know, was really formative. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So, Andrew, say Happy Mother's Day to me. Happy Mother's Day, Julie. Thank you. So I am a mother, as you know, and actually all of my boys are grown up. And I was reflecting on this particular podcast of, as we're approaching Mother's Day, it's going to be coming this Sunday, May 10th, Mother's Day. All you people who have mothers, remember Mother's Day is coming. But I was reflecting on my life as a mother, and of course I'm still a mother, (laughs) but especially as they were growing up, I wondered what my boys thought of me as a mother. Because I know I've made mistakes. Every mother thinks of the mistakes that they've made. And I would like to hear from my boys that I did good things too. And I think they would say that. You just look at your boys and they're (laughs) awesome. Yeah. And they all have awesome wives. They do. So, I mean, you're like 100% success rate here. (laughs) Right. Okay. And grandchildren, one more coming. So that's exciting. But I thought it would be nice for our listeners to hear you reflect on your childhood and some of the things that your mother did right, perhaps as a model for other children, myself included, that we could share with our mothers what we appreciate about our lives growing up and their oversight. So what are some things that you remember about your mother that she did for you that you'd like to thank her for? Well, probably the first and very most important thing, because it has just affected every aspect of my life so thoroughly, is, you know, she gave me a love of music. Mm. And that was kind of inevitable in that she was a piano and voice teacher, although she chose to give up working in the schools so she could stay home and raise children. Uh, But she continued to teach, you know, as she was able from home. So uh, that was just the environment. Anytime I was in the home, especially, you know, afternoons when students were there, I was just constantly exposed Mm -hmm. to good and great music. But even beyond that, she loved to make music a part of the family life. Uh, My father loved to sail. My mother loved to sing. And so while my father didn't really like to sing, and I'm not so sure how much my mother loved to sail, those two things for my sister and for me were just a tremendous blessing. And we would, um, you know, sail on the boat over to Catalina Island, meet up with other boat families, and sit around a campfire on the beach and sing. 
you know, sea shanties and folk songs, and she would bring a guitar, much to the the danger, I guess, of worrying about ocean water and guitars getting too right. close to each other. <laughs> uh, and she would just kind of make that happen on a regular basis. And mm. I have so many fond memories. Um, not every mom, of course, is a piano teacher, but I think... Or can play the guitar. <laughs> but I think every mom knows the importance and value of trying to make, m- m- not just bringing music into the home through recorded music, but actually making music with children. So, you know, I if my mother were still alive and I were to take the time to say all the good things, that would probably be the top of the list is because, you know, then I started playing the violin as a little kid and it was just, it was a priority. She invested her time invested their, you know, funds to make it happen. I I am just so blessed by having so much music in my heart and mind. Do you know, I've known you for over a dozen years, and a picture in my mind was adjusted by this story. I knew that you went to Catalina quite frequently, but I never realized there were other families involved, and I never realized you sat around the campfire singing songs to a guitar. I love that. Yeah, and roasting marshmallows. And um, there weren't a lot of kids. Most of the other people were either older or childless. There were, mm. I don't know, a few. But we had a yacht club, and they would mm-hmm. take a regular cruise. And then, you know, people who do that do that a lot you know, during the season. So that would be the first and and probably most significant impact on my life was this love of good and great music. Mm-hmm. Take me to concerts. I remember getting rec- records. You remember those, yes. those super big black CDs? <laughs> Licorice pizzas. Yeah. <laughs> I remember getting a record of Dvorak's New World Symphony for Christmas on my, you know, when I was about 10 years old and thinking, this is the greatest thing ever. And I would just lie on my bed and listen to that symphony, wow. you know, again and again and again. Being from Southern California, growing up there, did you frequent the Hollywood Bowl? I think we went once or twice. We went more often to the um, Dorothy Chandler Pavilion mm-hmm. in the Music Center. You know mm-hmm. that place. Mm-hmm. That's where the the orchestras were. And she played in an orchestra, and I joined in that orchestra. And really? Yeah, she was in the first violin. It was a community, small community orchestra. She played in the first violins, and I sat in the very back of the second violins. But, you know, at 14, 15 years old, that's kind of cool to be playing with a bunch of adults. And so the challenge. So that would be... The first thing. This this next thing came up. Uh, we were not long ago doing a webinar on the the kind of unintentional or accidental homeschooler and what you can do mm-hmm. now that you find yourself at home with kids with a whole lot more time than you're used to. I am profoundly grateful she taught me to cook. I think, uh, you know, a lot of moms maybe don't have the time or they think, well, you know, teach the girls something, but My mother, I don't know quite if she was motivated just because she wanted me to be able to help out more, but she taught me, you know, every basic thing like how to, you know, boil rice and how to bread and fry chicken to, you know, how to broil stuff and how to casseroles. And it's, it's, I think cooking is one of those things. If you get some experience with it in the earlier part of your life, up up through, say, teenage years. You have a lifelong confidence. You have a lifelong kind of 
natural willingness to do that thing and learn more. If you don't have that exposure at an early age, it's kind of harder later to go and want to learn it or try it. Sure. And, um, you know, I did live alone in Japan for three years and uh, on a very, very tight budget. There was no option of going out a lot. So I was able to cook and eat very well and enjoy that. And Rice and breaded chicken, at least that, huh? Oh, yeah. But <laughs> Plenty I, of rice, yeah. I know that. <laughs> and uh, now my wife and I are empty nesters. And so two things are happening. Uh, one is um, she's less motivated to cook because there's just not an oh. audience. You know, there's <laughs> not a lot of people to feed. Uh, so I've taken to cooking uh, a lot more than I used to. Mm-hmm. But, but she taught all of my children to cook. Mm-hmm. So whenever I go and visit one of the girls, I know I will eat well. Nice. So I uh, I just, I'm so grateful that my mother took the time. And I remember it was my job every Wednesday to cook dinner. She had, she would schedule her teaching right up to the last minute, you know, like 545. My father would come home just like clockwork and we would eat at six and that dinner would be ready. But Wednesday was my day. So I had to give up you know, a little bit of outside playtime or uh, do my homework at a different time. And I would get in there and I think I started with hamburger helper. Nice. You know, just <laughs> fry the meat and throw the stuff in and and boom, you've got some food. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you know, it got more. And, and I remember one time I thought, I'm going to make chocolate mousse. Okay. I think I'd been to some fancy restaurant or something and had this. <laughs> I thought, that's as close to heaven as you get. And um, I, I followed a recipe, and I whipped all the egg yolks, and I melted all the chocolate. And it wasn't that great, if I recall, but my mom was very encouraging that I even tried. <laughs> yeah, right. So that would be, you know, the second thing that I remember mm-hmm. very strongly that I look back and say, that was a gift for a lifetime. And just, you know, speaking my own experience raising my boys my husband insisted that I teach my boys to cook because his mother never taught him to cook. Mm. And so I did just what you said. In fact, I think for a month I said, I'm not cooking, you guys are. And they figured it out. And to this day, my oldest son is the primary meal preparer in the family, and he makes the best pizza in the world. Sorry. Mm. No other restaurant compares, not even his own mother. Wow, and I have to go pizza. all the way to northern Northern California to Tis taste true, that. To but. taste the best pizza. But he uses my old bread maker oh, really? <laughs> for to the, make for the, the crust, dough? yes. Oh, <laughs> so what else did your mother do? Well, she gave me responsibilities. She was very organized, very, very organized person. In some ways, maybe a little too organized for some people's tastes. But I didn't know any different. And so I was always given very detailed instructions on how to accomplish all of the things that she wanted me to do. Now, Mm. I will confess, at the time, I was not thrilled about some of these responsibilities, such as cleaning the bathrooms. Uh, But she had a you know, a checklist of everything that should be done. So she didn't just say, you have to clean the bathroom. It'd be, clean the bathroom, and here's the, you know, dozen or more things that you do when you clean the bathroom. This is so ironic. You were experiencing checklists 
having no idea that your future <laughs> self would be developing checklists nearly every day. Yeah, and and so her clarity on communicating how to accomplish those jobs that she gave me, um, and I was the older of the two of us, five years older than my sister, so I had a good chunk of time where I was doing chores that my sister could not, would not be expected to do. And I think that that gave me kind of this aptitude for thinking in checklists and systems. And I felt, even though I didn't like doing it, I don't think most kids like the chores they get, I did feel an important part of the family. And uh, there were other ways that she involved me. And I'm sure at times there were cases where if she had just done it herself, it would have been faster, easier, and maybe better. But she let me take over areas of responsibility. For example, I think it was always twice a year, maybe there was a third one, she would do a recital for her mm, students. Right. And so all the piano and voice students would come to the multi-purpose room in the local library. And of course, to get kids to sit through two hours of other people playing pieces and singing songs, you need something special mm-hmm. at the end that they can look forward to, which, of course, was the refreshments, right? And so uh, we would work together uh, to make cookies and sweets, and sometimes we would buy, but mostly we would make these plate after plate, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens <laughs> and I would be involved in the cooking of these no you would be involved in the <clears throat> baking okay the reason yeah. I differentiate uh-huh. that because baking is chemistry that's a little more trickier than just throwing some things in a pot yeah that's well impressive. I mean oh, gosh there's everything from you know seven layer cookies to fudge and I don't know where it all came from honestly I remember I know we made some of it we might have bought some but I was always the person in charge of setting out mm. these refreshments. So she would get in and the thing would start going. And then I mercifully had a job to do while, you know, everyone else is sitting there bored to death listening to for at least for the 99th time <laughs> in their life. And, um, and I would be in charge of the refreshments. And I, probably, you know, when I remember, must have been as young as 10 or 11 years old, so I kind of thought, you know, without me, you know, this just wouldn't be right. And, <laughs> and I go, you know, I'd try to put it out artistically. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, I would have access to all of these yummy things <laughs> before everyone else. And the thing is, if you take something off a plate, you have to kind of rearrange everything <laughs> on the plate so that it looks like you didn't take something right. off the plate. So, you know, there was that as well. So uh, I, this way in which she, she assigned and organized responsibilities, I think, you know, was really formative mm-hmm. in, in my, I would say some dumb thing like self-esteem. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily like the term, but I remember feeling good that I was helping in a meaningful way. Right. Yep. And, you know, that's what uh, John Gatto said is what every 13-year-old in the world wants more than anything else, is meaningful, honest to God, life and death level responsibility for right. things. Exactly. And very often our modern society kind of contrives to prevent that from happening. Schools mm-hmm. make it very difficult. So mm-hmm. 
Anyway, uh, so that would be uh, the third big thing. Great. And do you have a fourth? Yeah, I would guess. And and this wasn't just my mother. My mother and my father both were good Mm -hmm. about this. And that was just reading, you know. My mother tended to read books. I have a memory of her reading books like Cubby in Wonderland and the Five Little Peppers and how they grew. And and my father would read like stories or poems. But I just remember mostly around bedtime, the bedtime story ritual, uh, they were very good about that. And, uh, you know, we had TV, but it was pretty regulated. And when the hour came, it went off. And then there was you know, that space between the end of TV and getting jammies on and going to sleep. And I could always expect that kind of that special one-on-one time with with one of the parents. And uh, so in our world, uh, we talk a lot about the importance of reading out loud to children. Right. But I do think it has kind of died off in the greater world today. Hmm. And uh, I'm just... I'm really happy I grew up in a time without all the technology that could so that can so easily interfere right. with that more literary experience. Right. Well, you say in your talk, Nurturing Competent Communicators, what is the number one predictor of a good writer? Yeah. Share being, that. Being read to out loud in huge quantity right. all through your childhood years. One more thing comes to mind. My father liked... Mexican food. Okay. (laughs) And so whenever we went out to dinner, which was most often on Sunday nights after being on the boat all day, Mm. you know, you couldn't cook because you're on the boat all day, we would go to La Conga, Mm. Mexican restaurant in San Pedro. He had zero interest in going to any other restaurant except this one Mexican restaurant, which was okay with me. Um, But my mother would find opportunities you know if it was a half day at school or something she would take me to some unusual kind of restaurant in those days there were not nearly the variety of unusual restaurants that we have today Um, but I think she viewed that as uh, kind of a cultural education like you should go eat Japanese food and you should eat some Chinese food and you should uh, go eat you know, H salt fish and chip. Do you remember H salt? Yes, yes. I think they're still around. Are they? they? I don't know. I haven't seen one. And, and so I think that was kind of a blessing in that I just got more cultural culinary Mm. experience than I probably would have. And she might've done that because she wanted, you know, an excuse to eat something other Other than than Mexican Mexican food. food. (laughs) Although she liked it too. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's another thing that that comes to mind. And and then, you know, as I grew up, I started to kind of do some stupid things, as many teenagers or young adults will. And um, she was never really critical. <clears throat> she, she was always, you know, I think just had this faith, like, you'll keep growing and you'll get smarter and you'll come out okay. And uh, I don't remember her really criticizing any of my decisions Mm. as a young adult. Mm. And I think that takes a little bit of conscious effort as well. Yeah, most Uh, of our listeners know that you spent three years in Japan, and she 
was okay with that. Well, she actually came over for three months during that three years to study oh, okay. Suzuki piano with okay. Karaoka Sensei. But that, she left you there. <laughs> but yeah. you were a well, young adult. You know, yeah. she, but, um, you know, and I, I kind of had a little bit of a chaotic, mm. you know, first decade of of adulthood. Mm. But she was just absolutely supportive and mm. even enthusiastic about my decisions. My father, by that time, they had separated. Mm. My father, I think, was a little more frustrated. Like, why don't you just settle down and do one thing, you know, and get stable? And I was just not interested, you know. Do this for a couple of years, go do that for a couple of years. And uh, so she just, you know, showed that support all the way through. Altruistic love. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not, well, not, I don't know, altruistic. Just very non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. And, and I appreciate the about that about her and that's been a good example for me I think as I've watched my kids go through mm-hmm. you know periods of time where I would like to question some of their decisions but okay bite my tongue mm-hmm. smile and have faith yeah so anything you'd like to say to your children about their mother oh wow well they just got the best mom in the world so <laughs> I think we have a tradition in our family, and it's, I don't know when it started up, maybe 12, 14 years ago, Uh, but on everyone's birthday, and then on Mother's Day and Father's Day, uh, if we're together eating, everyone there will say good things about that person. And so, you know, last time we, you know, got together for Mother's Day. It was very nice. My wife's mother had recently Mm. passed on, so Mm -hmm. it was a a little difficult. But, Mm -hmm. you know, and everybody, you know, says from their heart a good thing Mm -hmm. or more uh, about the other person. And uh, I've just noticed that my children do have a lot of perception of the level of sacrifice their mother has made. And how she's continued to always be there for them as they're all grown up and now having children on their own. So I think they have had that kind of formal opportunity a couple times a year to really reflect on that and to tell her. Mm -hmm. So I don't think I need to tell them anything. Okay. (laughs) Well, and moms, we, we love to hear from our kids the good, especially, (laughs) you know, we just love to hear from them, especially as a boy mom here. Sometimes I hear from my boys more often because I know their wife is, might be prodding them to call your mother. But thank you, Andrew, for sharing some of your memories. I think it enlightened our listeners. It certainly enlightened me a little bit more about your childhood. And I think we're all gratified and know you a little better. So thank you. Well, happy Mother's Day to you and to all of the moms out there. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Pudua and the team at IEW, I thank you for allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking.